please stand for the reading of the word. Acts 11, verse 1. The apostles and the brothers and sisters throughout Judea heard that even the Gentiles had welcomed God's word. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. They accused him, you went into the home of the uncircumcised and ate with them. Step by step, Peter explained what had happened. The word of God. You may be seated. Who do you normally eat with? Now, during COVID, our circles have gotten a bit smaller, and to eat with someone outside of your household or your COVID bubble has been a joy and a rare privilege. Back in mid-November, one of my best friends from high school, Leilani, came to visit to town in Loma Linda, and we wanted to share a meal together. So we set up outside the back porch, and it was cold in Loma Linda area in Southern California in mid-November. The wind was chilly, and we were sitting there, our plates on our laps. I think we were more like 12 feet apart than six feet apart, and we uh, took our masks off to eat, and there we were freezing outside and inside just through the sliding glass door, Eleanor and Eric looking outside wondering, what are they doing? We were being careful. We have been careful not wanting to give or get a virus that has killed 600,000 people in the US, another four million around the world. We wanted to be careful who we share air with, who we share food with. For a brief time during this pandemic, a few of your pastors had the privilege of going to Riverside Community Hospital to do some volunteer chaplaincy as the staff were tired and needing extra support. And I remember as we were there, they explained to us, you're going to go through and you're going to see some signs. And the signs are going to say, clean. And if it's clean, you can go and you don't need to worry there's no COVID there. If, or you'll see a sign that says dirty, and then you'll know that's a COVID unit. Clean, dirty. I understand why the signs were needed. There's different procedures and different protocols and, and things to keep workers safe. And can I just say another thank you, thank you to all our medical workers. Amen. The signs are helpful when it comes to a hospital setting, but the problem is when we use those same labels for persons or groups of people. Clean, dirty. In this case, the Gentiles, those who didn't circumcise their baby boys on the eighth day, the Gentiles, those who ate who knows what, those who the Jewish law of Peter's time said, it might be better if you just didn't eat with them at all. You should not eat something prepared by Gentile because you just don't know what it could be. And then if you start eating with them, you never know what could happen. You might start marrying them and then you're gonna lose your identity. You're no longer gonna be a separate, clean and holy people. And so Peter is attacked for his lack of segregation. 
You went into the home of the uncircumcised and you ate with them, no less. And so step by step, Peter explained what had happened. Now, you and I may have been tempted to avoid this conversation altogether. After all, I don't need to explain myself to you. I'd be wasting my breath. Why should I have to explain what I did? For uh, after all, you're part of the circumcision party, or you're a Republican, or you're a Democrat, or you're a conservative, or you're a fundamentalist, or you're a liberal. I don't need to have a conversation with you. You just wouldn't get it, and we would both leave feeling frustrated. Why explain what happened step by step, Peter? One of our Facebook campus members responded to a post, and if you haven't become part of the Facebook campuses, you're on Facebook, please join us. We're having interesting conversations all week long. There's a comment, and I share this with this person's permission today. They wrote, it's difficult to discuss religious differences with someone of my own religious beliefs because the concerned fear of being labeled liberal, conservative, heretical breaks down relationships with my friends. So this person says, I just, I just would rather not talk about these differences that we share because I'm going to get a label put on me. I'm going to be considered dirty, unclean not fit to eat with, not fit to have a conversation with, and my relationship with my friends are gonna break down. Because you see, when we label someone, we no longer have to listen to them. I can relate, not having to want to explain myself. Let me tell you, we all need to take care of our mental health, amen? As a woman in pastoral ministry in the Adventist church, I have many times avoided a conversation, certainly avoided getting into a debate about whether or not I ought to exist. <laughs> if I do get into a debate, we usually both leave of the same opinion still, but now frustrated. But I found that it's worth telling my story it's worth telling my story because you never know what the Holy Spirit might just do with that story. So Peter tells his tribe, his segregated, his set-apart people, the story. Two weeks ago, we heard Pastor Jason DeSenia tell this story from Acts chapter 10 by Acts narrator, and now Acts has Peter tell the story in his voice, in his words, and then in Acts 15, Peter tells the story again, three times the same story. The only other moment in Acts that is repeated three times is the conversion of the Apostle Paul. This is a significant story that we need to pause again and listen to and pay attention to. Peter repeats his experience in Joppa. So if you missed two weeks ago, here's a short rundown. He was in Joppa, he had a vision, a sheet came down, uh, there were all these animals, there was a command to kill and eat, and Peter says, absolutely not, Lord. And the voice says, never consider unclean what God has made pure, and this happens three times. Peter, in the experience of the vision, Peter would rather disobey the voice from heaven than betray his set-apart community. Absolutely not, Lord. Absolutely not. But then there was a knock on the door. And outside there were three Gentiles, and the Holy Spirit said to Peter, go. And Peter thought, what? Go? So Peter takes 
in this telling of the story, he tells us, look, I took six other people with me. They had three, I better get six. And we're gonna go, I'm gonna have some backup. And so then they, they go to the Roman centurion's house and hear the story of his vision and Peter starts speaking and Peter says in this telling of the story, the moment I started speaking, the Holy Spirit fell. And Peter is shocked because he recognizes this spirit. He says, this is too familiar. This is deja vu. This is the same experience we had after Pentecost. This is the Holy Spirit. And he's shocked because this was not supposed to happen. This was not supposed to happen based on scripture. Deuteronomy 14, two and three says, because you are a people holy to the Lord God, you are the ones whom the Lord selected to be his own, to be a treasured people out of all other people on earth. And the very next comment in these verses, don't eat any detestable thing. The clean and unclean laws, what you put into your body, all the purity rules were part of what Peter understood meant being a holy people. Genesis 17, verse 14, any uncircumcised male whose flesh of his foreskin remains uncircumcised will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. You could not be part of God's people if you ate unclean food and you were not circumcised. You could not be part of God's holy people, and yet the Holy Spirit had just fallen on these people that Peter considered unclean, unholy. What's he gonna do with it? They cannot be unclean, they cannot be unholy. If the Holy Spirit has fallen on them, all the categories go right out the window. Peter reaches for another word from God in verse 16. I remembered the Lord's words. P P Peter needs some reinforcement here. Look, I, rem I know Deuteronomy, I know Genesis. This is not fitting into any of my categories. I need some word from the Lord. So he remembers Jesus' words at the beginning of Acts where Jesus says, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, it all clicks for Peter. He realizes that the Gentiles are part of you. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well. They're part of us. Jesus said you, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. All the categories are gone now. Verse 17, if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then who am I? Could I stand in God's way? I love this verse. The word used here could be translated, could I forbid God? Could I hinder God, withhold God, deny God, refuse God? Jesus used this same word in Luke 18, 16, when he says, allow the children to come to me and do not forbid them. The root word here in the Greek literally means to dwarf, to dwarf or curtail or chastise. Don't curtail or chastise the children from coming to me. Don't dwarf them. Peter says, who am I that I could curtail, chastise, or dwarf God? I couldn't do it. It's a rhetorical question, and the answer to Peter's rhetorical question is meant to be, no one, of course, no one can dwarf God. 
God cannot be curtailed or hindered. God was making this happen, Peter said, and there was nothing I could do about it. Amazingly, Peter's story works. His critics are silenced. Not only that, verse 18, it says, they praised God and concluded, so then God has enabled Gentiles to change their hearts and lives so that they might have new life. The silenced critics became supporters, singing God's praises for this surprising act. Now, I just wanna pause here for a minute. Let's sit here for a moment. Telling our personal story of what God has done really truly can turn critics into supporters. People may not have had the experience or the exposure that we have had. And so to share your story, to share what God has done in your life can make an incredible difference. For Peter in this moment, it changed their hearts the listeners were silenced and they praised God for what God had done. God has done a new thing here and God really can change people's hearts and minds. No one is beyond that change, friends. No one is beyond that change. Unfortunately, there is another way to answer Peter's rhetorical question here. Could I stand in God's way? Well, yes, Peter, yes, you could have. You could have refused to go to Cornelius' house. You could have insisted that, they, uh, get that before they get baptized, they get circumcised. You could. We, friends, are invited to be part of God's work in the world, and if we have a real part to play, that means that you and I can get in God's way. Not forever. <laughs> God is making new things happen. But sometimes we can make it a whole lot more difficult, can't we? The critics are silenced, but they emerge again in Acts 15. Again, there's a trip up to Jerusalem. Again, Peter shares his story. Again, the critics fall silent as they listen to what God has done, this time told by Barnabas and Paul. Again, the word of the Lord is shared. This time it's James who stands up, Jesus' brother, weaving together phrases from Amos and Jeremiah and Isaiah. Acts 15, 17, verse 18, he does this quilt of, of quotes. So that the rest of humanity will seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who belong to me. The Lord says this, the one who does these things known from earliest times. We would hope the debate would then be solved, concluded, all done, moving on. The Gentiles would be fully welcomed into the community without having to become Jews. We would no longer question who to share a meal with, that all would have a place at the table, whether circumcised or baptized or not. But again, sadly, in the Didache, this is an ancient church manual written somewhere in the second century, Didache, I'm quoting from chapter nine and verse five, it says, but let none eat or drink of your Eucharist, your meal, except those who have been baptized in the Lord's name. For concerning this also did the Lord say, give not that which is holy to the dogs. Really? The Didache is calling those who haven't been baptized dogs? 
How dare you? Using the Lord's words out of context and ignoring his example. Now, grace to them, they were facing persecution and they had all other things going on. But still, the problem is here. They're ignoring Jesus' example. Jesus himself was accused like Peter. Luke 15, verse 2, the Pharisees and legal experts were grumbling, saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Friends, if Jesus welcomes sinners to eat with him, how can we not invite everyone to the table for his body and his blood? Still, it remains a tension clean, unclean, holy, unholy, human, dogs. This summer we've been asking why. Why do we do this thing called church? Why gather? For many of us, we were not here for a year and a half. Maybe we streamed on demand here and there. Why gather? Why come back? Why engage in person or on the Facebook campus online? Why show up? Why? Especially, especially if you felt it excluded, mistreated, not included because of whatever, your beliefs, your affiliations, your sexual orientation, your gender identity, your gender expression, whatever. I remember the first time I felt unwanted in my church. I was a college student and I was researching a paper on women's ordination and I was researching both sides and I was reading a conservative magazine that claimed to be affirming of Adventist beliefs but was anything but affirming to me. I felt unwanted in my church for the very first time. So why? <laughs> why should I show up and engage? Why should you show up and engage if you felt mistreated, unwanted? Why? because the Holy Spirit is longing to stitch our stories together, to stitch them together. For years, as I uh, moved from place to place, I carried a box with me. In the box, I had old t-shirts. These were t-shirts that I never would really wear again. They were worn, they were outdated, but I just could not bear to get rid of them because they told part of my story. And finally, I found out about a website, projectrepat.com, where I could actually cut up those t-shirts, mail them somewhere, and what would come back to me in the mail was a quilt, beautiful quilt. And so now, <laughs> this is it. Now this, this lies on my, my side of the bed at night because I get cold in the air conditioning in the summer. <laughs> it keeps me warm, it's comforting, and I can look at these various quilts all the way back from high school and think about different parts of my story. So there's the one from hiking the, the Smoky Mountains in high school. There's the one from going to visit Aust Australia for the first time to see family there. There's, there's the one from San Diego where I ran my first marathon in 2013. Um, there's several mission trip ones. There's the, the one here down below that my sister gave me when I was about to come, become an aunt for the first time. These are all crucial moments and important pieces of my story. But guess what? None of these stories are simple. None of them are simple. Thinking of my, my sister here, I got to be in the room when my nephew was born and when my niece was born, and it's a wonderful thing that did not dissuade me from having children. 
because it was amazing and beautiful and incredibly stressful and painful and he did not, she did not come into this world without some bloodshed and some tears. Each one of these stories are not simple. One of these mission trips remind me of a situation I was in where there was a preacher who had said some words that had been harmful to one of my beloved communities that I'm a part of. I was at a conference and I saw this person eating at another table and someone in my family said, you know what we should do? We should pay for their meal and say in the name of that community. And I thought to myself, hmm, I, I'm not sure we should do that. I'm a little reluctant to do that. And then I thought, ooh, this is like, the Bible says, heaping coals of fire on their head. I was like, yes, I want to do that. Let's do that. And so we did it. We watched. They looked puzzled. Okay. Then I went on a mission trip, and I found out that this person would not only be there, but there was a couple that was taking myself and our youth around on a little sightseeing trip, and they invited this person to come with us. We would be together for multiple days, eating meals of about, with about 15 people. And I thought, ooh, I'm not sure I can do this. I'm not sure I like this. But guess what? In those few days of eating together, I, I saw a person that was doing their best to follow the Holy Spirit. I saw some shifts and some changes, and I was reminded never to call anyone unclean. None of these stories are simple, but they are stitched together, an important part of the story. When Eric was born, Teresa Vanderpool gave us a special gift. Teresa, I think you're here. There she is. She gave us this beautiful quilt, and she spent several months stitching pieces together, finding little bits of fabric so that as they're connected to each other, as they're placed in the, in the story together, they come alive in new ways. Look, a simple kind of rusk-colored fabric becomes an alligator, a crocodile. A blue and an orange together become an elephant. There's this uh, one here, the gray and the pink and the purple become all stitched together become a hippo. So beautiful. Thank you, Teresa. In his commentary on Acts, Willie James Jennings writes the following words. Self-knowledge and the knowledge of people are quilt-like. They are designed to be broken open and woven with other knowledges, patterned in and with people so that the sight of each can be seen together with others in ways that illumine each in its majesty. The inclusion of each piece brings the others to light, helps them come alive. I was recently stunned by the work of one of my Facebook friends, Varushka, who creates foundation paper pierced patterns. And you can find her at prideandjoyquilting.com. Here is her creation of Martin Luther King Jr., her quilt. She created the pattern 
And all of those are different pieces of fabric. The background is a fabric of white and black threads that's woven so closely together that it becomes gray. She created it to be 39 inches around, 39 to represent when his life was cut short. Here in her words, she writes, my vision for this piece was to somehow show his vibrancy, his light. He shone light into the darkness of oppression and injustice. In describing her process, she said, I take small scraps of fabric and sew them together to form a new image or identity. God is the master quilter. God takes all of us, all scraps and bits of fabric to create an incredible self-portrait of love. There's a saying that says, no quilter ever feels that they have enough fabric. And God is ever searching for more pieces to be included. How can we be those pieces in Jennings' words, broken open and woven together? He continues, the breaking open, it's not an external action. You can't, you can't force this from the outside, but it's an, it's an intimate one, like the breaking of a loaf and the sharing of a meal. The breaking open is when someone chooses to offer what is in them to another. Someone chooses to offer what's in them to another. When you choose to share a meal, when you choose to share a story and experience, that's a breaking open that allows God to be able to stitch your story with another story. He goes on, a quilting of lives together is always possible no matter how profound the tearing. Really? Really? 10 years ago, Matthew Stevenson was the only Orthodox Jew at New College in Florida. He was the only one, about 800 students, and so he decided to start uh, Shabbat dinners at his, in his dorm room on Friday nights, and he invited some friends, some Christians, some atheists, um, whoever was up for coming and uh, having a Hebrew blessing and eating together. A year after he had started these Shabbat dinners, he decided to invite Derek. He texted him, what are you doing Friday night? Derek, he'd been quiet at school, but it had recently been revealed that Derek was part of a white nationalist, the white nationalist movement. Derek, Derek's father had created a very um, large white nationalist website. His mother, Derek's mother had been married to David Duke. Derek himself was considered heir of the white nationalist movement and had a daily radio show where he told listeners that whites were being wiped out, that Jews need to go, and all sorts of stuff like that. Matthew was not sure if this was a good idea to invite Derek Black to his Friday night Shabbat dinners. He hesitated. But Matthew said maybe he just never spent time with a Jewish person before. According to the Washington Post article, 
He decided the best way to affect his thinking was, quote, not to ignore him or confront him, but simply to include him. So Matthew, only Orthodox Jew on campus, invites Derek Black, recently seen to be a white nationalist, to his Friday night Shabbat dinners. The dinners used to have eight or 10 people. As soon as they heard Derek was coming, uh, people dropped out. They weren't sure they wanted to hang out with a white nationalist on Friday nights. But slowly, Derek kept coming week after week, and slowly others came back. And Matthew had told all of his friends, do not mention the post. Do not mention the, the email that went out, the email that had gone to all the students to, to, to show that he was a white nationalist. Do not mention it. We're just gonna do meals together. We're gonna talk about whatever. They ended up talking a lot about religion. And two years in, they met weekly Friday night for two years. Derek's friends started asking him, they were friends now, about his views. They started asking him. And guess what? His views started shifting slowly, gradually. He kept eating with his friends until his ideology no longer made sense to him anymore. In 2013, Derek Black wrote a letter renouncing white nationalism. So, would you invite someone touting a polluted ideology to your Friday night dinner? Would you do it week after week after week? Or maybe you'd ask the young Jewish man, Matthew, like they did Jesus, why are you eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? Or like the Dadaki says, would you only share a meal once they're fully immersed? You know they're, they're, they're with us, they're gonna be here. Again, you might not be ready to expand your eating circle just yet. I know COVID cases again, rising. Perhaps you can find other ways to expand that intimate circle. Showing up here in person or online is a way to connect, a way to share your story. Maybe you can stop to talk to a neighbor that you walk by or initiate a phone call with someone you really, not sure you really want to talk to, but if the Holy Spirit tells you, initiate the phone call. And if you're up for sharing food, consider inviting someone to eat. Hearts and lives are changed. Community is created in eating together, in sharing our stories, in choosing to believe that no one is beyond the working of the Holy Spirit, that we cannot call anyone unclean. This is why we gather, because of this God who we will sing about now, a God who from heaven came running with mercy for me, for you, for us all. Amen.